0: Welcome to the Bird's Eye View podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with the Inquirers, Eagles beat reporters, Paul Domowich, Les Bowen, EJ Smith. What's up, guys? Greetings. How's it going? How's it going? Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining yeah. me on the, uh, the Bird's Eye View podcast. And guys, we got a lot to talk about. Eagles are now 0-2 for the first time since 2015. They lost in pretty much convincing fashion. To the Los Angeles Rams Sunday 37-19 probably could have been worse if the Rams didn't make two mistakes of course the Eagles made their share of mistakes but if you all set both teams I think you know you're you're getting pretty much a blowout the Eagles defense just was not prepared or ready or ready to execute against a really good Rams game plan that utilized Basically, their core tenants of your play action, misdirection, disguise, tight formations. They really preyed on the middle of that defense at linebacker at yeah. safety, really took advantage of the personnel issues at linebacker with Nate Gary and at safety with Roddy McLeod and Jalen Mills. In my estimation, Nickel, Roby Coleman did not have a good game. Um, so let's start there. What... Um, you know What can this defense do moving forward to correct the issues? I mean, you're not – you can't really go out and get a lot of new faces here. You just kind of go – you mostly have to go with what you have. And let's start with linebacker. You have Nate Gary and you have T.J. Edwards and Duke Riley kind of flanking him, well – Nate's really not the middle in the base. He's, he's more the outside guy. TJ, TJ Edwards is more the, more the mic in base. But the problem is these guys have a lot of trouble covering. And you know we're seeing you know, fans have long wanted the Eagles to get better linebackers. I've kind of understood where the Eagles are coming from. If you're going to go weak at one spot in this defense, it's linebacker. And especially now when you really only need two uh, with so much nickel and then even with dime. But
1: if Nate Gary's your number one guy, you're in trouble. Yeah. Who wants to take that? Well, you need to be functional at linebacker, I think, even in this defense. And they certainly weren't Sunday. And the whole Nate Gary thing is something we've discussed before. It's, it's really interesting to me. I think I've, done, I've said this before, but it reminds me of Mark Semino many years ago, who was a guy that Jim Johnson really loved and thought could, uh, could replace Jeremiah Trotter. And he loved it because he was supposed to be so smart and so, you know, so instinctive and all this. And he never made any plays uh, because he was small and not really that fast. And he was mostly a special teams guy who got thrown into a starting role. And that seems like Nate Gary to a T to me. I I don't understand why the coaches think he's so wonderful. I He doesn't recognize that that long touchdown pass that he gave up the, the 28 yard or whatever it was basically was because he didn't recognize what was happening and, and get on the guy as he came out of the backfield. The, the, uh, I, I just can't, I don't get it. Uh, I, I, and I think there, Jeff, you certainly brought up today in, in in your piece about Malcolm Jenkins and the deficiencies they have. Uh, in lining guys upright and and recognizing what's happening uh, without Malcolm on the field. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you my, do about that. I yeah, really real don't.
0: quick, my point in that, and obviously uh, people have kind of been chiming in on and said, oh, you know, Malcolm got beat a lot on, on Monday night, and you know, Malcolm didn't have a great game, and and I will counter that by saying, yeah. Wall, Darren Waller there. is going to beat most safety in this, safeties in this league. You know, but, but Malcolm had certainly lost his step and covering fast tight ends wasn't going to be a thing here in Philadelphia. My point was more that they didn't do a good enough job in replacing Malcolm. I mean, Malcolm was basically, yeah. quote-unquote, the Mike linebacker out there. He was the one getting everyone lined up. He was the one telling everyone what to do. You know, And it wasn't just the fact that you didn't do enough at safety to replace him. You didn't, you didn't do enough at linebacker to replace him. If you had had somebody in that middle spot who could... Or at least you know the guy playing in all three downs, who's making the calls that could really recognize stuff and get guys lined up and and say, hey, you know what, this this look is new, or I know this look. They're going to do this or that or the other thing. Uh, then it would have helped the team. Look, the Eagles had bad games, bad defensive outings when when Malcolm was was with the team. But I, I felt like yesterday. I mean, excuse me, Sunday. When they did get fooled, it wasn't just that they got like fooled a little bit. They got it was like there were guys that were running completely in the wrong directions for they weren't even realizing where the ball was half the time. And I kind of went went on Twitter and started pointing that out. And I did three plays. There were more than that, and because it wasn't just Nick Nick Gary. I mean, we're picking on him, but on that twenty yard touchdown, for example, three players went to cover Robert Woods on the jet motion fake. Uh, yeah, Rodney McLeod came down from center from center field from the post to 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 cover that play. So he left the the middle vacant. So Gary had no help over top. Uh, there were two other plays where like it wasn't just him that was biting on those. It was a complete complete total breakdown on the defensive side of the ball. Which brings me to Jim Schwartz, Damo. He's your he's your boy. I mean, I, I I like Schwartz. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. But this might have been his worst game ever with the Eagles. He's my boy. Uh, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, the, the the Rams play action just made them look s- silly uh, Sunday. I mean, they were completely. I mean, it took them completely off balance. But it's but it's nothing they haven't seen from the Rams before with McVay. It's nothing they shouldn't have been ready for. You know, and that's why you you get getting back to the Jenkins point. I mean, Malcolm's strength was not so much making plays; it was keep making sure everybody was where they're supposed to be, and and allowing them to make the plays. And yesterday, you saw a lot of people out of gap, or Sunday you saw a lot of people out of gaps uh, or or misreading, like you mentioned, the people that were were like Gary that were were had their head in the backfield too long, and, and while the tight end blowing past them. I mean things like that, that 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 Malcolm seemed to have a way of of kind of uh, reducing. I mean you go back to that game where he just went to gym one. Remember that I forget what game it was, but he told him, "Hey, yeah. we got to go back. We got to keep this simple. You know, we got too many things going on here, and, and we're there's too many people out there confused. Just go back to basics." And they they did yeah. the second half of whatever game it was, and and turned things around. So I mean you know Schwartz needs to get control this right now, the, the, you know, the good news for him is, you know, they're playing, they're playing the Bengals this week. They have their own challenges with some of their receivers and stuff, but uh, you know, the defense, I mean, what I think the defense needs to do, I mean, they need to get better play than they've gotten out of their defensive line, uh, especially yeah. their tackles. And then Nate Gary's not as big a problem, uh, but yeah. Sunday, they yeah. you know, I mean, Fletcher Cox was, was nowhere to be seen uh Hargrave got pushed out of the hole on that 40-yard run you know things that you know there's a reason you're paying these guys so much money uh
3: and they need to produce well yeah that was something that I I was sort of reminding myself when I was watching the game back is sometimes when you watch the Eagles defense it's like you know it's obvious that the secondary is missing coverages and the linebackers you know are getting caught up in the play action but I think the Eagles' defense was built with, you know, the defensive line at the forefront for a reason. And when those guys aren't producing, sometimes it's easy to forget that that's the case and that they're the ones who are supposed to yeah. kind of make up for some of the deficiencies elsewhere.
0: Well, the ball – I mean, the ball
1: the ball is
3: coming
0: out quick. And, you know, that's how yeah. you offset an aggressive front four. And that's the
1: template to beat this team. Yeah. And it's so also – Sometimes it was coming out quick, Jeff. But on all those misdirections and – Fake double reverses and things like that. It wasn't coming out quick. I mean, they didn't really get. They didn't get a. Beat well, they were, well, they, they were mean, moving the pocket away from, from
0: those guys, but those yeah. those ends didn't do a good job of being disciplined. And, and Brandon Graham admitted as much. You know, on those naked boots, they were they yeah. were biting on it, and that's just that's just goes back to discipline. But you know, like the the one guy who's played well the two weeks is the guy they added in the off season, Darius Slay. In my in, in my opinion, but yeah again you can scheme up an offense where you don't have to to go and, that, right. and that's what they're they're going to just attack attack the middle of the, they must have had I wrote this they must have circled Nate Gary with a giant fat old red marker and said <laughs> we're just going to pick on this guy all game and just to get back to the safety yeah. position you know I'm, I'm not trying to take a nod at Rodney McLeod I think McLeod's a smart guy. I think he, I think he knows, understands the defense and he can recognize what offenses are doing. I don't, I don't think he's uh, at quite at Malcolm's level. Uh, and he's an okay safety, but the right. Jalen Mills thing, and I, and I don't want to kill Mills either, because, but you, this falls back to personnel. You thought, okay, let's just go really cheap at safety. We can pay Jalen, whatever we get to pay him. We think that he can make this move from cornerback to safety and, you know, they did this in the middle of the pandemic, and they probably didn't envision the off season being canceled. But to me, Jalen looks lost out there. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I just hope uh, – I think he's a smart guy, and I think he can probably I be yeah. better. But – You're asking you're right. a lot of them. I mean, it, they are. And he kept talking. He's a, he can kind of lull you into thinking that he's going to – because he, he's a very good he – he, he's a persuasive speaker. He's been telling us that he knows the defense inside and out and he had played sort of a safety in some situations, but that's not the same thing. And we're seeing that very acutely right now. It, it in, in retrospect, asking him to step into what Malcolm Jenkins did is, is a huge ask of a guy like that. And I think when they made the original plan, They had Will Parks in their back pocket. If this didn't go well, now Will Parks is out for God knows how long, uh, you know, and they don't really have any alternative other than to hope Jalen figures it out. But, uh, you know, this was not a promising uh, outing in that regard. You know,
2: something we didn't uh, dwell on too much after the game was uh, a couple of penalties by the defensive line that killed them on Sunday, Uh, one early on, on I think it was Higby's second touchdown pass. Before that, Mills made a nice play on a, on a wide receiver screen to Robert Woods, uh, put him in a third yes. and five situation, and then Barnett lines up offsides, and they and, and gives him right. the first down. And you know, yeah. four plays later, Higby uh, you know bulls through Roby Coleman for a touchdown after catching the ball. And the other one was right before, right after that forty uh, uh, yard run. Uh, and before Gary got got beat by Higby uh, on the 28 yarder, the encroachment on Malik Jackson, they had a second and eight, which then became a second and third, a second three, which you know, I Gary doesn't peak in the backfield on a second and eight. He, he's not as obsessed with the run and the play action if it's second and eight. And that just goes to show you how easily situations can be changed and and, 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 and behavior on a play can change depending on down and distance.
0: Well, they you know they didn't do very good against the run, and and the Rams stuck to it. They knew that they t- could get enough yards on first and second down, that it put them in three uh, third and two situations, and third and two is harder than third and six and third and eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they weren't great as the game went on on third and long, and that falls on the defensive line, and that falls on on guys like you know Fletcher Cox. So I thought had a pretty good game. Um, Brandon Graham aside, you know he was kind of undisciplined on the edges, but I'm focused more on Derek Barnett and, you know, Javon Javon Hargrave was the big signing. I know there's both guys, both those guys are coming off injury, but they have to deliver. I mean, there there has to be more out of the D line. And, you know, you'd think with a rookie quarterback, maybe Schwartz has some, some sort of game plan schemed up where you, you blitz a little more. Obviously we'll talk about the Bengals game in a few days. But um, you know, EJ, I don't know what, what do you think about Derek Barnett? I mean, I, I just, I'm waiting for this kid to deliver. The Eagles are, have been bullish on his potential and I wonder if it's ever going to come.
3: Yeah. I mean that 2017 draft class, you wrote it, but that 2017
0: draft class is looking
3: really, really troubling right now. Um, but no, with Barnett, I mean, we've never really seen it outside of 2017 for that short stretch. I mean, it, there just hasn't been a lot of production. I'm, I'm honestly like a little surprised. I know Josh Sweat had his own problems, but I'm a little surprised that there's not more of a movement for Sweat to start over Barnett at this point. I mean, uh, you know, you just seen more out of Sweat. I feel like, and again, Barnett hasn't been able to stay healthy. Obviously, he missed all training camp, but um, again, you just haven't really seen him yeah. make that impact. And you know, there's also been the the penalties with him. You know, the offsides, yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. But Big then the, the personal yeah. fouls last year, you know, sometimes, you know, that, that the effort that the team praises him
0: for can kind of, you know, go the he other He could have gotten a personal foul, I thought, at one point yeah. uh, down by the goal line or something like that. He was just – he was leaning on a guy, giving him a couple extra shots. I mean, he's, he's
1: borderline dirty player. I mean, yeah, you know, I think yeah. – you- Well, the thing with him is the healthy thing. I mean, I think he's never – I don't think at this point he's going to be a great draft pick, but I think when he's been yeah. healthy – he's been okay you know not a guy that you would draft in the first round necessarily but okay but this this injury crap is just unbelievable I mean he you want to give him a little slack for Sunday because he hasn't played or practiced in forever but how many times is this you know I mean at some point uh you have to question whether the guy can hold up uh, to be an NFL defensive end uh it, it, it's it's troubling it really and, and that's one of the key things about this loss I think is the Eagles had all these guys that they didn't use in training camp and and Miles Sanders said that he you know could have played in week one but they wanted to be careful it they came out there Sunday with a bunch of guys that really weren't ready to play I mean Javon Hargrave was horrible you know, <laughs> And you sure, he never played practiced a snap in training camp, but good Lord. I mean, how how many times can this happen? It's just other teams seem to be able to overcome these things more easily than the Eagles well, do. And one thing I wanted to say real quick, and this is a total tangent, but we kind of didn't get to it when we were talking about the defensive backs. Nickel Roby Coleman. This was the guy who was telling us all about how he was – telling the other guys, you know, how to, you know, what the Rams will do if you see this, it's going to be this. And he looked like he was lost out there Sunday. He, he had no idea what was going on. He might have been their worst guy in the secondary. He was, yeah. And Craven LeBlanc got three snaps. I, I I don't know about that signing. And, you know, I thought the guy embarrassed himself against his former. Yeah.
0: Season. I mean, Cooper Cup is probably one of the better slots in the league, but. There was one play where it was another naked boot and Jared Goff was rolling to his right. And I, I think it was Tyler Higby kind of released and like Nickel Ruby Coleman just let him go. And then, like, meanwhile, yeah. Brandon Graham was pursuing Goff, but Nickel uh, started, Nickel, I'm sorry, started to do it as well. I'm like, what are you doing? Cover the guy that's, that's going out for. Right. <laughs> I, I just, I, I what, yeah. is, I, I just, it was a mind-boggling how poorly we, we get Jim Schwartz in about an hour. Or so this should be an interesting uh, press conference. Jim and I'm, I'm ready for a filibuster. You know, we'll probably get four questions in. <laughs> He'll go on about some sort of, ba- you know, with a bunch of baseball analogies to kind of uh, okay. lull, lull us all to sleep. Um, let let uh, I just want to jump back a little bit because you made a really good point about Hargrave, and this is a guy that's playing in a new scheme. And, you know, we've been, you know, look, he's, he's a pass rusher. He's not as much a run guy as you would think since, since he played sort of like that, that interior spot with, with, on the Steelers scheme. But, you know, this is a, the guy that's going to probably need a little time to, to get used to the scheme. And I'm not trying to make excuses for the Eagles, but it does lead me to Doug Peterson's press conference yesterday. And I want to <laughs> talk about that. And Doug yeah. has kind of been dropping these, these hints here along the way that, you know, oh, not having the preseason and the training camp and this, about yeah. and any other thing has, has affected the team. And, you know, less luckily you called him out on his bullshit, and, but he doubled down. I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it's just so blatantly obvious that this is not an excuse. All 31 teams had the same obstacles to encounter. And in fact, if, if, If there was any team, especially in the NFC East, that should have had an advantage, it's the Eagles, who really weren't changing that much. They did some stuff in the offseason, but every team does stuff in the offseason. Every team turns over some of his roster. Every team makes a few coaching changes, which is what the Eagles did. What is Doug doing?
1: Yeah, I think he didn't hold a very effective training camp, and I think he's realizing that now. Buried in there was a little nugget about how he's reworking practice – to give more work to Carson and the receivers so that they can sync up better. And to me, that's emblematic. Doug's training camps, you saw what happened last year uh, when, when the, when the starters didn't play in the preseason and how that went. Uh, And I, I don't know. I, I think he's not really getting his team ready the way other Coaches are getting their teams ready for these. Well, situations. The, d-
2: the dilemma he had, you go back to the draft night when he said, you know, we're going to have to rely on veterans this year because uh, because, uh, you know, there's probably going to be no spring work and we don't know what's going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. And then they get the training camp and and he gave his rookies, especially the receivers, more snaps than you're ever going to see r- rookies in a, in a training camp get because they suddenly decided they wanted to play them this year. Uh, and, yeah. you know, and, and as I, I, think we found out in week one, Hightower is not ready. Uh, you know, right. Sunday, they ended up playing R- Rager and, and Deshaun Jackson almost exclusively. Um, even, you know, even sack Greg wards. So, yeah. I mean, I, so, I mean, I don't, they're, 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 they they were faced with a dilemma in training camp that they had to, they wanted to try to find out how good, you know, these new guys were and, and, Give them snaps, but at the same time, it hurt them in their prep. It, it, it kind of offset the the advantage they might have had going to the starting line with a you know with a without a new coaching staff, without you know with with, with veteran players.
0: If we could widen the lens too on this, Les, you brought up last year, and it kind of It was kind of the same the year before that in terms of like Doug resting guys during training camp because of the injuries, all the injuries, and, and they had a slew of them again this year. You know, I wouldn't say. A, a gross amount every team encounters them, but you know the, the big picture issue here to me is all the changes on the medical staff and the issues that they've had in that regard and how that's affected the team. And I think that again played a role in how Doug handled training camp. And it's it's funny to me how you know all along they're downplaying these injuries to us behind the scenes, right? Because they don't want to create a panic. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Donald Trump and coronavirus and Yep. You know, it's like Carson, when he, when he pulled his groin, oh, well, he wouldn't normally have been playing during this week. It's like the fourth week of preseason, et cetera. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, but it, it was important that Carson didn't practice that week. You know, yeah. right? He, yeah. he, and Doug's telling us now, oh, well, Carson needs to build up the chemistry with these receivers. Well, that week would have been really good. But the Eagles, meanwhile, are like, oh, right. there's no big deal. There's no big deal. And I wonder if it's still a big deal, if it's still something that's bothering Carson.
1: Right. Or that, you know, it did affect him early in the season. and Or the, or Miles Sanders fumbling on the third play because he hasn't, you know, done anything in weeks and weeks. And he's talking to us after the game about how he hasn't been, you know, this was his first week of practice and he could have played the week before. And, you know, I mean, that that's, Definitely a, a part of the and situation. these are soft yeah. tissue
0: injuries, which to me always kind of you know, look, you have a torn ACL, a ruptured Achilles for the most part. Geez, there's nothing you can do about that. And soft tissue injuries, sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. But when you have a rash of them and you've had a, a you know, history of them as the Eagles have had over the last several years, some of them at key spots, some of them for a significant length of time. They've already had a few of them in, in the early in the season here. Uh, you just wonder about what's, what is the protocol, what's being done in terms of the Eagles' medical team. And, of course, we're never going to find well, out. Well, no. I mean, this is not the year to find out anything, really, with the locker room and all the access being closed. But, uh, but Les, you mentioned Carson Wentz, and, and uh, I want to get all your guys' takes on what do you think his number one issue is right now? EJ, I'll start with you. Um,
3: I would say just – general decision making is the thing that sticks out when you watch it it seems like um you know he's obviously the accuracy is a part of it too but it just seems like he's not seeing things the way that he used to be able to and um you know I think what underscores a lot of it is he's not a willing runner anymore he used to be mm-hmm. but even yeah even last year you saw less of it and you know when you ask him about it he sort of says that he's He's not fast enough to really go out and, you know, operate in space. But, I mean, I think that that plays into it. He was not uh, – when he was at his best, he was not a guy who was just going to sit back in the pocket and, you know, make quick decisions. He was, you know, extending plays and, um and you know, taking off if he had to. So, I think he's really struggling with that this year. I mean, the interceptions are obviously, you know, a, a big problem. Um, and, you know, I I wrote in the newsletter yesterday, he's – like, literally, the worst quarterback in the league by a lot of those metrics right now, if i and by a wide margin, too. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he can respond to this because I mean, this is like unprecedented.
1: Yeah, I one thing that really puzzles me, guys, is if you look at those two killer interceptions he's thrown, you know, Doug keeps talking. I wrote this today, too. You probably saw it in my story if you if you read it, but uh. Doug keeps talking about him pressing and trying to carry the team on his shoulders. Both of those picks have come at times when the, the offense is rolling when they've scored a couple touchdowns and you know, they're they're they've got a drive going for another score and he makes a throw. That's just way too risky. It's, it doesn't look to me like desperation. It looks to me like overconfidence or, I, I don't know. I, I it's not something we've really seen from him before, and it puzzles me. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Well, his,
2: his second interception, I'm going to take out because the, prote- yeah, the protection, protection broke down. Matt Pryor screwed yeah. up. Uh, he and suddenly he found himself moving to his left and, and throwing sidearm off of God knows what yeah. foot. Yeah. Uh, but the the other one is a throw he doesn 't usually make in the past it's it 's into a tight window down near the in dirt he wasn 't in the red zone, but it was as close as you 're going to get uh, i mean that pass just it seems like it 's something that he wouldn 't have done in the past you know e j mentioned that he 's not a willing runner anymore and and i i agree, absolutely yeah. agree i mean not just taking off and running but even moving you know extending plays outside the pocket i mean he just Right. I don't know why. Uh, but he, he better start learning um, because he's not he's not getting any confidence in his line in that in that pocket.
0: Uh, you know, look, again, I think there's a bunch of things that, you know, th- there isn't a uh, one just one thing. Uh, but if I go back to that interception that he threw, the, you know, obviously the most costly one, the J.J. Artega, Artega, excuse me, Whiteside. I, we've seen him make tight window throws. Um, it's not his thing downfield because yeah. he's not the most accurate thrower in, in, in the NFL. I want to ask him tomorrow, because Doug has been really, uh, really focusing on the decision. I want to ask him if he would have done it all over again, would he have done it with a better throw? And I say that because I've been always focused on Carson's mechanics, maybe more than most people. But, you know, D- Doug asked it uh, I'm sorry, Doug said that no it's not an issue right now, but I, I disagree. It is. And if you watch that yeah. throw, he's way overstriding. And I I-, he- I don't think he has enough zip on that throw and it and it flutters I know so a- it flutters is probably not an accurate word, but it wasn't in there and it was a l- and it was Save a little him. late. And it, that because the mechanics are off, I mean, I, you know, my son is pitching a lot and he has a pitching coach and it's just amazing when you hear all the stuff that goes into getting velocity on a throw and, the, and you need torque and he's overstriding and he's not getting the proper torque on some of his throws. And they, and that's when the passes tend to sail or they tend to flutter. And I think this is an issue with Carson and I think it happens when he does press and I do think that goes back to him trying. And we saw this last season. That was the big pr- part of the issues with him during that stretch in November is that Carson wants to be Superman. And when he let the game, when it was more of him running the offense late last year and just, you know, roll out naked boots, like basically what we saw to some degree out of Jared Goff on Sunday, that's when the, the offense hums. And Carson has the athletic ability to be an elite quarterback. But I think sometimes. He thinks he's better than he is, and and I yeah, and I think yeah. that hurts that hurts him, um, and I think that's that's what's that's that's the struggle that they're having internally with with Carson, and you're starting to see a little bit of that with the what Doug I thought Doug was a little criti- more critical than I thought he would have been of Carson yeah. when when we the word unacceptable is one that I haven't heard before yeah, yeah. he really harped on on the decision making there because it was a backside throw. We've seen him make that throw before. I just don't know if Carson right now has the ability to make that throw. And I do feel like some of it is he's pressing because, again, the receiver issue is not particularly great. Um, But, look, they should be able to win with Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders. I mean, and the offensive line was not the problem, right?
2: Right. Well, they minimized that problem by – you know, uh, short, quick throws. I mean, uh, he had six pl- passes the entire game that were longer than 11 yards. Uh, well, and there were only a couple blitzes as yeah, far as I can see. Yeah, I mean, so that, that, that helped. Uh, and, and his accuracy still
0: was horrible, uh, which is
2: kind of disturbing.
0: Well, I mean, just like easy throw, you know, you know, I wouldn't even say it was an easy throw, but it's a throw that he should have been within five yards with Zach Ertz in that third and five uh, towards the end of the first half. Yeah, I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, you got to make that throw. That's just, and we've seen too much of that. And you know, I, I think with Carson, he's hard headed, and he wants the offense to be this dynamic, big play offense, or you know, to, to you know, take advantage of his skills, which he has. But I guess you guys touched on this. You know, the athleticism isn't there since the knee knee injury. Is that safe to say that he just? I don't, I think it's a willingness. I don't think he's, I don't think he has okay, any yeah, physical problems.
1: Physically wrong. Yeah, I, <laughs> really? Okay. But I just think he won't do it. Yeah. And I think they kind of told him not to do it, uh, which is to his detriment because we we've, we've said again and again, his best throws are when he's moving, yeah. you know, that, uh, that great throw to Miles Sanders ag- against Washington at the end of last year. You know he's moving to his right. He's scrambling, and lasering that throw. You know it doesn't seem like he has these mechanics problems when his feet are right. And
0: right. but the, the, from it's what weird. I've been told, and I understand, is that so he's so good at doing that that when he doesn't need to do it, sometimes he still does it, and that's why his yeah. mechanics are screwed up, and that's part of the problem. That you, know, you can't. You got to be able to throw from the pocket in this league, and. And he's not great at that. No, he's great on the move. Maybe maybe they just need to do a little more of him doing that. Um, You know, like John T. Filippo used to say he'd love to see Carson like run for one first down per game. You know, that's when you want to do it. And the the problem with Carson is when he's running, he doesn't know about – he's not very good at sliding or getting out of bounds the way Mahomes and and Russell Wilson can do. And if he could just be that type of quarterback, you know, and I think he has it in him then he could be the top three guy that, that we all feel like he has the capabilities of being. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we kind of touched on all the major topics. Uh, certainly a lot more to talk about, but um, well, we can do so in a couple of days when we look ahead to the, to the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a, a team, I guess, a game that must be that, – that should be a must win, I guess, at this point. You can't go in three with the, with the 49ers who are beat up, but still it's the 49ers. you got to travel the West right. Coast. Yeah, the
1: Ravens. The but then you got Steelers, Steelers and Ravens, and that's yeah, those are two losses right there. Unless drastic things happen to yeah. those teams. Right, real quick, before you. we go, let me get all your so
0: which you, so everyone, give me your preseason record and what you think now will have they'll finish.
3: I think I had them at ten and six or nine and seven. Um, I haven't thought about how how different that is now. I mean. Honestly, I think if they're two and four or one and five going into week seven, that would be a win for that team. Wow. Um, so honestly, I mean, two and four is like the best case scenario two, going yeah, into yeah, week think, seven. Yeah. Well,
0: I think it's possible <clears throat> three three and three, but unlikely. Yeah, that would be because be if tough. you beat the Bengals and you, we, we, yeah, I mean, whew, wow, I mean, you look at that. So two and four, and then that would probably right. I don't know. Give me your. I'm putting you on the spot, EJ. So you're saying uh, regular season record? Yeah. Uh,
3: Five and 11, six and 10? Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Damo? I had them
2: 10 and six uh, going into the season. Um, You know, I can't remember what I initially had them going in their first five, six games, but it was, you know, I mean, that's when they had to make hay for a number of reasons, including the fact that they're the only team in the division without a new head coach. Uh, uh, you know, they'll probably at the end, assuming if, if you if they just don't continue to have injuries to their offensive line, probably make some sort of rally in December. But I still think we're probably looking at, at, at best at eight and eight right now. Les.
1: I had eight and eight uh, going into the season. Uh, I just didn't see, you know, how they were going to be any better than they were last year with a tougher schedule. Um I might stick with that. I mean, we just yeah. don't know. The problem is, two games in, what are the other teams going to be in the second half of the season? Who's going to be hurt? Who's going to be playing right. well? It, it's easy to to really, you know, wring your hands at this moment, but you just can't. The league is too weird. We all remember the the year Chip Kelly got fired when the Eagles played like three of the worst games we've ever seen them play. And then went to New England and beat the Patriots. Right. 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 Anything's possible. You know, I just, I don't have, I don't know. I, I, it's not looking like, I mean, there's no way to look at this and say, oh, they're going to win 10 or 11 games. I, I can't imagine that. No,
0: no. I mean, yeah, I, nine and seven, I, I just, you know, I think seven and nine is probably more realistic. Uh, But, you know, like, as you said, anything can happen to, to the teams that are ahead on their slate. Um, but it's not good right now for this team. I mean, unfortunately, we can't be in the locker room to get a gauge on what, you know, right. what's going on in there. That really tells you a lot. And, you know, what happens if they go in three? What's, what's Jason Peters doing? You know, what's, you know, you wonder about some of the older guys. Yeah. But, um, all
1: right, well. We're, we're not, we're not- and you wonder about the guys who aren't playing. You know, Cravon LeBlanc already – did something on Twitter, you know, about uh, I'm going to get through this somehow, you know, and was liking tweets from people who said if somebody smart was in charge, he'd be- <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. All right,
0: well, guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining me, and uh, thanks for, uh, for doing this. Well, uh, everyone listening at home, we'll be back uh, in two days. Please read all our stories at inquire.com. Tons of content on the on the website. Obviously, if you subscribe and get the paper delivered to you, tons of information there as well. And um, Les, Damo, EJ, thanks for joining us. And uh, that's the Bird's Eye View podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Take care, guys. All right.